Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka TCK Pod. This is episode 341. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined today by my man, Bobby Lamarco, aka Fantasy Football X Factor. You can find him on Twitter at FFX Factor. Bobby, how you doing, man? How was week 16 and week 17? Did you wrap up your fantasy championships we had been talking about and how you feel about some playoff NFL football? Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Uh, first of all, glad to still be on Truck in 2021. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, week 17 was interesting. I, I know, Scott, we kind of talked about this. Um, I'm excited for next year. I'm really interested because there were so many uh, guys looking to get incentives on their contracts. And I was like, man, how great of an article would that be? So I think next year, the TCK pod listeners will have like a cool article for them on uh you know which guys are going for which you know incentive and maybe that can help us with dfs and some player and like sports gambling but it was definitely cool week 17 and i'm ready to watch some football for the playoffs i love that antonio brown uh emmanuel sanders there were many others that ended up getting those incentives at the very end of the game just getting peppered with targets dump offs whatever to uh, match those uh quotas for yardage for catches you know, carries, whatever it was, touchdowns. So shouts out to people like Tom Brady who give a shit about stuff like that and (laughs) try to help out their guys. You know, that's a cool, just a good clubhouse move. And I appreciated some of that stuff around the league. All right, man. Well, we're going to get into it. Same old, same old for you and I. We've been doing this all season long. We are going to continue into the NFL playoffs. We understand that general fantasy leagues are uh, behind us at this point. However, many folks are playing DFS at this point and they've turned the corner which we're going to get into DFS on a separate episode because that's kind of a, a whole thing. Uh, you know, Bobby and I are going to break that down more substantially on the next episode. But for today, we're going to do our normal game preview and pretty much have the same language we've had all season. And if you're not playing in a fantasy league or whatever, maybe you just can hear more about the matchup. So it's something to look forward to for the game. And really what Bobby just brought up, looking forward to next year, we understand that we just finished one. We're super fantasy nerds. We're looking forward to it. We're nine months away. However, it's a good time of year in the playoffs to start looking at like guys like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, some of these younger guys. How much work are they going to get on their team, regardless of the output right now? Because coming into next season, they might have that full workload. How do the free agents look that are going to hit the market leaving, right? Are there any significant injuries over the next month that might impact next year's recovery time and things like that? So, Football is not over just because fantasy is behind us. So we're going to try to help you kind of diagnose those and also uh, get you prepared if you're playing in any sort of tournament, uh, maybe with the pickums at the very end of the episode here. So, Bobby, we've been doing it for 17 weeks, man. Week 18, if you want to call it like that. Wild card weekend here. Jumping in, we have six games on the slate. Again, 2020-21, new format here. Seven teams from each conference, one of them getting the bye. Uh, The Packers in the NFC, the Chiefs in the AFC. Everybody else is playing here. So we have the two through seven seeds from each conference. You ready to get this, my man? Let's do it. All right, we'll start here on Saturday. So per usual, we have three games. Well, not per usual, three games. But per usual, we have Saturday games and we have Sunday games in the playoffs until Uh, The conference championship weekend, they're both on Sunday. And then, of course, Super Bowl Sunday after that. This week, we have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. We'll start with the Saturday slate with the early game. The Indianapolis Colts come in as a seven seed at 11 and five, going up against the number two seed Buffalo Bills at 13 and three. This game is hosted in Buffalo. You heard uh, Dweez and I on the last episode roughly break down these games generically, but we did not get into it statistically like, you know, Bobby likes to. So we're going to kind of do all that. Uh, over again to dive a little bit deeper here. This is the earlier game for the Colts. Look, they back into the playoffs. They do um, handle business with, uh, you know, kind of a a last minute um, 
situation there uh, in week 17, but uh, they also get some help. The Dolphins lose, so the Colts do make the playoffs and back in. The Buffalo Bills have been on fire all season long. Josh Allen, arguably an MVP candidate, although I don't think he takes over a Mahomes and or Rodgers at this point, but playing absolutely phenomenally. Stephon Diggs, of course. However, there are a couple questionable tags in this game here on the Bills side, primarily Stephon Diggs and um, uh, John Brown, as well as Cole Beasley come in all questionable. I do think all of them play, but that is certainly something to monitor. And on the defensive side for the Colts to Forrest Buckner, they're all, you know, incredible uh, interior linemen also questionable, which could be a big hit if he does not play for some reason. So Bobby, per usual, let's break this down. How do you feel about the Colts and the bills in the first game of the 2021 NFL playoffs? Yeah, so the Bills playing at home, and when I'm looking at this, so I updated like a lot of the stuff. If you've been listening to this podcast, I talk a lot about drop back data for defenses, understanding how much pass volume there'll be, and then also talk about verse expectations. So when I did this, I updated it for just the playoff team. So you're going to hear one through twelve this week. I'm not going to have like the thirtieth. So when I was looking at this, Indianapolis Colts are first in dropbacks per game on defense amongst the final twelve of uh, the twelve teams this week. And first in expectations, that just means to me that Josh Allen and company are going to cook. And really over the last couple of weeks, the Indianapolis Colts secondary is a little banged up. Their top corner, Rocky Sin, is out and it looks like he's not going to play. And that's just going to feed the fire. And with John Brown back, I know a lot of these guys are questionable, but, you know, I saw today like Diggs and him were dancing on the field. I think the only guy that's probably not going to play is going to be Cole Beasley. Now, on the other side of the football, Buffalo is actually kind of in the middle of the pack of the final 12 of these 12 teams this week. They're eighth in dropbacks per game on defense, sixth in expectation, and they're a little bit more of a run funnel defense. So that kind of my favor the ground, the Colts ground game. But overall, looking at this game, like who beats the Colts on the, um, on the Bills? So for the Colts side, when I'm looking at the Bills defense, you know, this it is probably going to be a Jonathan Taylor week for me. Uh, he's white hot right now. Obviously, what he just did to the Jacksonville Jaguars is key. But Buffalo doesn't really have a formidable run defense. So I think the only way the Colts can win this game is if they keep it close enough for them to strike late. And I think the only way they're going to do that is keep Josh Allen off the field. They're going to have to do that with the ground game. So to me, it's a Jonathan Taylor week. He's probably going to get a heavy workload again. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, I think he might be back. He was on the COVID list. I'm not really sure what his status is, but I think at this point, it's Taylor's show. Um, outside of that, who also beats the Bills has been outside wide receivers. Tredavious White traditionally has in the past been a shadow corner. He has not shadowed a single receiver since week nine. So I'm not worried about Tredavious White. We have seen numerous times over and over again, wide receiver ones kind of beat this team. We just saw Devontae Parker have a very big game last week, seven for 115. Uh, versus the Bills so when I look at that it's been T.Y. Hilton over the last month or so he's been the true number one on this team and I think T.Y. Hilton to me is a solid play Um, is he my number one star in DFS we'll talk about tomorrow probably not but based on his price point he actually isn't a bad option this week because number one the Bills are going to put up points and with the expectation on the Colts side and their secondary and how they're banged up I expect that Phil Rivers is going to have to drop back and throw and I think you know T.Y. Hilton's in play Now, over the last month, the guy who's actually been leading the team in receptions is Naheem Hines. And with the expectation of this game, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to handle their business. I think they're going to put up points. And I think it's going to force Phillip Rivers to have to throw a lot as well, which means I think Naheem Hines is going to be a factor in the passing game. So I think Naheem Hines. Now, when I talk about this tomorrow, and this is big because there's a big difference between DraftKings and FanDuel. And the one thing is that one's half PPR, the other's full PPR. But also DraftKings has better discounts for cheaper players. So players like Naheem Hines, for example, won't cost you as much on DK as they would in FanDuel because FanDuel has a little bit more even pricing across the board. So I think Naheem Hines is also in play in this matchup because they're going to be probably trailing and they're going to have to throw and keep up a little bit with the Buffalo Bills. So I am okay with both of those guys. And a guy who I think is the sleeper of the group, and it's, you know, it is what it is, is Jack Doyle. So over the last couple of weeks, Doyle has kind of reemerged as a go-to tight end one. He's actually been uh, right up there with uh, Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal on, in targets on the team. And he's actually surpassed in routes. He's actually passed up Trey Burton over the last month or so. So I think the Bills, they're most susceptible at first tight ends. They're actually the weakest of their defenses against the tight end across the board. 
So I think Jack Doyle, to me, especially because he's dirt cheap on both DFS sites, I think that's what puts him in play. He's like 4,500, which is like the cheapest you can get on DK, FanDuel. Uh, and he's like very, very cheap on DK. So if you're looking for that really low cost tight end option, I think Jack Doyle is in play. On the opposite side for the Buffalo Bills, I think it's wheels up for the pass game. I'm excited for Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are my two starts. I think I'm paying up for quarterback on the DFS side, but I love Josh Allen. I love that volume projection against the Colts. But the question is, all right, who's going to really, you know, take advantage of this? And, you know, Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs, I think we all know we're set there. I think John Brown to me is also a lock. He's in. Every time this guy's played, he's been clearly the number two. I think that pass, pass volume against the Indianapolis Colts is going to be there to support two pass catchers. But also the Colts' run defense is actually pretty good. So the Bills can't run the football anyway, and I think the Colts' run defense is not going to allow them to kind of break out. So I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Josh Allen. So I think you're going to see maybe two, probably even three very fantasy-relevant players in this game. Now, the question, though, is who's going to be that third guy? I think Isaiah McKenzie, to me, is very intriguing if Cole Beasley is out because Isaiah McKenzie is now the slot guy. So he gets all the dump offs, the underneath passes, the underneath routes. So I think Isaiah McKenzie, and also because if we're talking about DFS, which we'll talk about tomorrow a little bit more detail, he's dirt cheap. So if you can, if you think you can get him, especially in DK where it's points per reception, full point, um, Isaiah McKenzie to me is also in play because of that big bump in pass line. So I think on the Bill side, it's Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and maybe Isaiah McKenzie if Cole Beasley is out. I don't think I'm going to touch Dawson Knox because of the fact that the Indianapolis Colts are very good against the tight end. And on the Colts side, like I said, Jonathan Taylor is probably the star of the week of this game. I love Jonathan Taylor on that side. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is a solid, okay, wide receiver three, maybe borderline wide receiver two. And then Naheem Hines, I'm so stuck in those words. Like there's only like 12, uh, 12 teams playing. So it's not like there's going to be 24 receivers, but sorry, stuck in my words. Uh, Naheem Hines, and then maybe Jack Doyle as a potential sleeper at tight end. I think that's a great call, man. And again, with, with, you know, DFS we'll get more into tomorrow, but I think it's important that you brought down the difference in FanDuel and, and DraftKings. Usually DraftKings players are quote-unquote cheaper, but it's a different budget system, and then you have the half and the full PPR to account for as well. So again, we'll dive into the DFS side tomorrow, but a great breakdown of the Colts and the Bills. Let's move on to the NFC side. We have the uh, six-seeded Los Angeles Rams coming in at 10-6. and six. They beat the Cardinals to make the playoffs and get in. They are at the third seed Seattle Seahawks. This will be the third matchup here between these two teams, both, of course, in the NFC West. They play twice every season, no matter what. And now they're meeting again in the playoffs. Seahawks come in at 12 and four. Look, Seahawks are, you know, rearing, ready to go here. They have been up and down all season long, but playoff football is different. Russell Wilson in the playoffs, the Seahawks at home in general, Always a bonus for them. The Rams have been playing okay, but Jared Goff, questionable at best at this. We might get Wolford again, who was in last week. Hopefully, uh, we're able to get these guys back in the system here this week. Um, I am concerned a little bit about uh, Jared Goff um, and if he's going to play, and even if he does play. I'm a bit concerned about him. This Seattle defense has not allowed a receiver to catch a touchdown since week eight. So I am concerned about Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as far as DFS goes. You might be able to find better options. And Tyler Lockett finally showed up after taking the last two months off. DK is a beast, of course. But how does this run game happen with inefficiencies from Carson and Akers, but each of them getting the volume? Bobby, back with us, man. How are we feeling about the Rams and the Seahawks? Yeah, so sorry about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. And so when I was looking at this game, you know, the one thing is I noticed when I was looking at the drop back data, there's three defenses that were very glaring uh, when it comes to bringing down drop back volume of the other offense. And one of them was the Rams. Rams are actually 12th of the 12 teams this week in dropbacks per game on defense. They're also 12th in expectation. And they are actually a slight run funnel defense. So right across the board, when I look at the Rams, that is concerning for Russell Wilson and company um, for playing against this defense. Plus, we've seen this matchup twice already this year. This team is, they of course, being in division game, actually four of the six games in the slate are actually repeat games from earlier in the year. So this one, we already kind of saw it twice already. Russell Wilson has not done much, and DK Metcalf has not done much in this game. So that is notable. On the other side of the football, Seattle is actually a little bit better from a pass volume perspective for the Rams. Seattle is actually fourth in defense in uh, dropbacks per game. They're also fourth in expectation. They're actually a pass funnel defense. So 
hopefully Jared Goff is okay. He looks like he is practicing on a limited basis on Wednesday. Cooper Cup is back from the COVID list. So pretty much, and they're also getting back their left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. So that's big news across the board for that passing attack. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to think of Goff, but the last time these two teams played, Goff did pretty much anything he wanted. Uh, he had 300 yards, even though he had no touchdowns in that game. They ended up having three rushing touchdowns. Uh, two went to Malcolm Brown, one went to Henderson. So, but Goff would did anything he wanted against that Seattle secondary back in week six when they played. So when I look at this game, starting with the Rams, you know, who beats the Seattle Seahawks? Inside wide receivers have been big against the uh, Seahawks. And the last time these two teams did play, you know, Cooper Cup did pace the team in production. Now, the one thing I did think was notable, though, in the two games this season, actually Josh Reynolds actually leads all the receivers in yardage and receptions in this in, of, the, of the Rams. So I thought that was interesting because we're talking from a DFS perspective. Josh Reynolds is very cheap. And he's actually had the most production combined of those, those two, two games. So I think Josh Reynolds, to me, could be a, a low-cost option if you're looking for someone to buy down to uh, in this matchup, especially with the pass volume projection and also with the success the Seattle Seahawks have had against Robert Woods. So I think really for me, and on the other side too, also Seattle is very bad at, at covering running backs in the, in the pass game. So Cam Akers, to me, with Daryl Henderson out, you know, they didn't have a lot of success running the football the last time these two teams faced. They did score those touchdowns like I brought up, but for the most part, they didn't do much as a group. Akers had 10 carries for 38 yards. Brown had six for 33. Henderson, seven for 28. So there's no one that really stood out, but I think Cam Akers, because his price point's actually a little bit lower, it's like in the low 6,000s uh, 6, uh, on, on FanDuel, for example, Makes him, puts him in play. I think he's definitely going to have more volume in this game because no Daryl Henderson. I think that puts him into a solid, plus the Seattle Seahawks against run, pass catching running backs are one of the worst defenses covering running backs out of the backfield. Maybe because of the golf's thumb injury, he'll check down a little bit more. So I think Akers is definitely a solid play in this matchup. On the other side of the football, though, for, uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, it is concerning. DK Metcalf will once again be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. That to me is a big, big no-no. I'm not going to bother with that, especially from a DFS perspective when DK is a top five value and he's a huge price point and he has not done anything. It's Jalen Ramsey for the most part, but the Rams are a little bit more susceptible to interior receivers, Tyler Lockett in that, in the last time they played, you know, he had about five for 66 in that one performance with Jared Goff back in week six. So I think that from that perspective, Tyler Lockett might be an okay wide receiver to play in this matchup because of the fact that they are more susceptible to slot receivers, but also the Rams are more, are, are kind of vulnerable to tight ends. Greg Olson should be back. I, I, I just think from my perspective, it's a little too convoluted to rely on any of these guys, whether it's Olson or Disley or Hollister, because they're all running routes. They're all getting targets. So I think from the passing game, I think it's really just Tyler Lockett that I feel comfortable with from a DFS perspective. I'm starting him this week. And then on the other side of the, uh, I mean, for the running game, Chris Carson um, did not play in that week's, that earlier game this year. And then last week, he didn't do much. The Rams are a little bit of a run funnel uh, defense. So I think Chris Carson to me is in play, obviously, because of the fact that he's actually third on the team in routes. And he's also third on the team in receptions and targets when it's all these guys are healthy. So I think he goes DK Lockett and then Chris Carson. There's a lot of looks in the passing game. So I think Chris Carson to me is a fine play. Um, but at the same time, when we talk about DFS perspective, there hasn't been a lot of success offensively for the Seattle Seahawks when they played the Rams this year. So I think the only slam dunk in this game that I, I, I can think of is probably going to be uh, Cam Akers, probably my number one play. And then I'd probably say it's Cooper Cup. Josh Reynolds is kind of a sleeper. Maybe even Tyler Higby could fall into that. He did have some production last time these two teams faced. Um, he also had three for 60 earlier in the year as well. So for the most part, though, like you said, there's better options for DFS, but at the same time, there is some value here to have. Should be an excellent NFL game, though. Again, the third time these two teams play each other, it's going to be fantastic. Last year, we had the scenario with the Seahawks and the 49ers. They had two incredible regular season games that came down to the final play, and the playoff game was uh, no disappointment there either. Uh, with the same scenario. So look, Ramsey and company have been doing well so far against the Seahawks. We'll see if they can uh, hold them down in this third matchup. All right, let's move into the later slate here for the Saturday night cap. We got Brady and the Bucks, number five seed at 11 and five versus uh, 
we're not sure <laughs> for the Washington football team at the number four seed somehow at seven to nine hosting a game, yada, yada. You've heard me complain about this uh, system here. Um, I just think it's a joke that a, a team of this magnitude is hosting a game, first of all, and B has a higher seed because they won the division. But I digress. It's a conversation another time. Uh, you know, Tyler Heineke could be the starter here. It could be Alex Smith, but he's questionable. We'll see what happens. Uh, Terry McLaurin, also questionable. Antonio Gibson, but battling a toe injury as well on the Bucks. Mike Evans uh, got gimpy last week after becoming the seventh uh, or the first receiver in NFL history with seven consecutive seasons of 1,000 yards to open up his career. We assume he's going to play, but if he does, he could probably be on a pitch count. Uh, nonetheless, they still have Chris Godwin, A.B., of course, and Tom Brady. So we'll jump into the Bucks and the Washington football team here. Um, great defense for Washington. The Buccaneers defense has been slipping a little bit, but it's Brady in the playoffs. Yeah, and the thing that's tough about Brady is he's been white hot, but he's played against bad defenses and teams that don't have great pass rushes. And the where the Brady and the Bucks have really struggled this year is when they face teams with guys who can rush with four and have elite defensive lines. And that's what the Washington football team has. So it'll be interesting to say the least because the games that Brady's looked really bad, like New Orleans, for example, you know, he looks like a train wreck. And, I, you know, it's going to be tough to say if, if you're all in on Tom Brady in this game, I probably won't be. But when I'm looking at this game from a defensive perspective and drop back data, I, Tampa Bay to me is one of the, is probably the biggest slight uh, pass funnel defenses of the slate. They're second in dropbacks per game on defense over the last five, and they're also second in expectation. So Washington's going to have a lot of opportunities to throw in this game. I believe that Alex Smith, if he plays, is going to get a lot of opportunities, and he's going to be probably a lot of dump-offs, which we'll touch on in a second. Uh, Washington football team is actually middle of the pack, seventh in dropbacks per game on defense. They're a little bit more of a run favor to the run, and they actually are ninth in expectation. So, you know, I think it's going to be a battle of wills because – Bruce Arians is going to want to air it out. He's going to want to throw it a lot. He's going to want to throw it downfield. And can the offensive line hold up against the elite defensive line? And we'll see. I, I don't know if it's going to be that successful. I actually think Tampa Bay might lean a little bit to the run in the sense that Ronald Jones could be actually a solid play in the slate. But we look at the Bucks first versus this Washington football team. I do like Aaron, uh, uh, Ronald Jones. So Ronald Jones, um, to me, in this matchup, he's actually very cheap to and affordable on DFS because he has been in and out of the lineup the last couple of weeks. So his price point is very affordable, especially for DFS. And like I just touched on Washington football team can be beat a little bit more on the ground than they can through the air. So I think they're going to have to establish Ronald Jones in this game. And I think he's also a great bet for a touchdown in this matchup. So I'm in on Ronald Jones in this game, but also they favors inside wide receivers against Washington football team. They've been much more vulnerable to inside interior slot receivers. That says Chris Godwin all over it. Now, Mike Evans is a is questionable to play in this game. I'm not 100% sure he'll play and how effective he'll be. So we'll have to monitor, maybe like check out what Pro Football Doc says about that. But he that knee injury was um, terrible. And, Scott, I don't think I told you this, but I had a five-player parlay with Mike Evans' receptions. I got four out of five. The only one I missed was Mike Evans because he got hurt in the first quarter. Oh, man. Player prop was four and a half receptions. He had three in the first quarter. I hit on the other four, a $250 bet when one of me, 6,500 bucks. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was, brutal. I was shook it up. I was like eating ice cream, drinking beer, just shaking for like that for a couple of hours. <laughs> it was brutal. Uh, but yeah, I digress. So we don't know if Mike Evans is going to play, but the one that I thought was notable is that Antonio Brown and, and Chris Godwin last week, they rotated in the slot. So Antonio Brown actually had more production from the slot as well. So I like AB and I like Chris Godwin in this game, especially the way you could beat the Washington football team. And the way Tom Brady likes to attack the football field is in the middle. So I favor both those guys. I do like them. Even if Evans plays, I don't know how effective he'll be. So I'm actually going to lean to those guys in this matchup. As for the tight end, you know, the Washington football team has been very good against tight ends this season. Gronkowski's kind of taken a back seat now to Antonio Brown now that AB is up to speed. So I'm not going to really get cute and start those tight ends. There's actually better tight ends for a price point perspective this week. So I'm going to fade Gronk in this matchup. Now, on the other side of the football for the Washington football team, Alex Smith, Terry McLaurin's banged up. You know, Gibson looks – he's starting to get a little bit healthy from his toe injury. But the Bucs are the most dominant – like one of the most dominant run defenses in football. And Antonio Gibson's not going to probably have a lot of success on the ground. 
Um, the way you beat Tampa Bay is through the air. Plus, Charlton Davis, their top corner, has been banged up. He might not even play. Plus, their stud middle linebacker, De uh, Devin White, is definitely going to be out with COVID. So that's huge. JPP, also the defensive end, has been a DMP back-to-back -back, uh, practices. So there's a lot of injuries to that secondary. And plus, with Tom Brady, white hot, probably going to be able to put up some points. I think you're going to see – I think Terry McLaurin, to me, is definitely in play. He, he didn't do much last week. He was – probably wasn't that effective, but he'll be one week healthier. They don't have the Charlton Davis potentially out. They don't have anybody that could slow on Terry McLaurin. So I think McLaurin's a solid play, but the guy I like the most is JD McKissick. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are very vulnerable against pass catching RBs. McKissick is basically a glorified receiver coming out of the backfield and he's dirt cheap from DFS. He's 54. I think he's like in the low five thousands on a Vandal and he's actually Actually, I have it all written down. What am I getting? Uh, 4,900 on DK and 5,400 on FanDuel. So he's really cheap. He's going to get a lot of work. And Tampa Bay is very vulnerable to running backs out of the backfield. And plus, they're missing their top cover linebacker. So I think he's a great play in this game. But also, I mean, this is this. Uh, I think there's going to be enough pass volume to support him, McLaurin, and I think Logan Thomas. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay has been vulnerable to tight ends to this season. So I think Logan Thomas to me is definitely in the, in there as well. But Logan Thomas is you're paying a premium for him. He's actually going to cost you about 10% of your budget on both sites. So I think he's a little bit riskier because of the fact that he's actually you're paying the pipe for him. So I think when we talk from a DFS perspective, maybe not all in on Logan Thomas, but he's definitely an option in this game. But also, if you're looking for a way to get your hands on that pass volume, you know, Cam Sims has emerged as the number two wide receiver in this offense. He's separated himself from pretty much everybody else. So, you know, and he's extremely cheap. Uh, he's only 3,900 on DK, for example, and he actually paced the team last week uh, for the receivers. So I think he could be a factor as well. If you're looking to throw a dart at, uh, for a wide receiver, there's enough pass by maybe to make Cam Sims an option in DFS this week. It's a great call. You know, I love my boy, J.D. McKissick. So I'm all about that. And especially if Antonio Gibson's a little bit banged up and you have that defensive line there for the Buccaneers, not at 100%. I do like dump offs. Uh, I think as much as I and probably everybody outside of Tampa is rooting for Washington in this game with Ron Rivera, Alex Smith and whatnot. Um, I think this one could get ugly here uh, quickly, unfortunately. All right, let's move into the Sunday slate, man. We got the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Fifth seed, Baltimore Ravens, 11-5. Four seed, Tennessee Titans, also 11-5, excuse me. Four teams in the AFC at 11-5 with their record uh, and two teams in the NFC under that mark. So, again, I digress on the uh, rating system, but so be it. So we get into the Ravens and the Titans. This is a rematch from last year. Derrick Henry goes nuts. Obviously, they upset uh, the Patriots in the first round, they upset the Ravens in the second round. They had a chance against the Chiefs, but they come up short. Uh, Derrick Henry looks in full season. However, Lamar Jackson also playing his best football of the season as well. Both these teams have had some pretty gnarly COVID situations throughout the season. But to my knowledge, it looks pretty clean right now. We should have this should be one of the more uh, healthy and full rostered games we get. Also, I think it's two of the better teams in all of football currently. Uh, this is going to be a, a throwback, kind of a, a smash mouth football game. I'm very excited about the Ravens and the Titans. I agree. Oh, man. And, and I think when I'm looking at this game, too, it's a rematch from earlier this year. Uh, you know, everybody kind of had got theirs. You know, J.K. Dobbins, Eric Henry got theirs, Corey Davis and, and A.J. Brown, you know, Mark Andrews, like, there's a bunch of fantasy production in this game. Of course, Lamar Jackson with this combination of running always is a factor. But when I'm looking at this game from a purely defensive dropback and volume perspective, you know, Baltimore is in the middle of the pack. They're sixth in dropbacks per game on defense, eighth in expectation, and, and Tennessee's fifth in both. So, and Tennessee is probably the most pass funnel defense that's on the slate. So when I look at that, I'm thinking I'm excited because, you know, Baltimore is going to do what they got to do on the ground, but they're also going to have success through the air. And I think that's that's why Lamar Jackson is worth the price uh, paying up for him in DFS. I think between him and Josh Allen, I'm not going to deviate from those two guys on DFS this week. And I'm all in on both. So uh, when the only thing I will say is this, and I thought this was interesting, is uh, the Tennessee Titans have two offensive linemen that are hurt right now and have not practiced through Thursday. So. Roger Staffold, like their stud guard, and then Kelly, their left tackle, 
both aren't practicing. So just keep an eye on that because that could make things a little interesting, especially against a solid Ravens front. Um, of course, you're starting Derrick Henry, but the real question with Derrick Henry is, is he worth the price? He's $10,000 on, on FanDuel, $9,000 on DK, and that's that's 17 to 18% of your budget. So you're paying the pipe for him. And he did have a monster game against them the last time, but Derrick Henry is just the type of guy that's going to wear you down, wear you down, wear you down, and finally break through. It's The question is, do you think he's going to get you 25 to 30 points because that's where you're going to have to get to for him to return value? So I don't think Derrick Henry is like the top play of the week from the running back perspective because of his price point. But when I'm looking at who, like, for example, the Titans and who does actually beat the Ravens, Yes, I think you can beat them on the ground. I think he's a still in the top three to four options on the slate. But at the same time, just be wary of the fact that he is a monster price point. But really where you beat the Titans is through the air, outside wide receivers, and also they're pretty average versus tight ends. Mark Andrews, the last time they faced, had five for 96 and one. So I'm backing on Mark Andrews. But also Marquis Hollywood Brown has really turned a corner. And, I, and we kind of talked about this with the Titans. They're very Their corners are good but not great. And they can keep up with the good receivers and the, and the okay receivers. But when they face the top options, they get beat. So I think Marquise Hollywood Brown's definitely in play in this one. And I think Mark Andrews as well. But my favorite play is J.K. Dobbins. This is the number one run matchup, according to my metrics, of the week. And I think the Ravens are going to be able to establish the run. And I think they're, and J.K. Dobbins has really separated himself from Gus Edwards when it comes to early game and close game production. So I think J.K. Dobbins to me is probably my plug-and-play RB outside of maybe J.D. McKissick. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about Lat Murray if Alvin Kamara's out. But I think J.K. Dobbins to me is probably the closest thing to a lock on the slate. So I love Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews. On the Titans side, you know, Ryan Tannehill had a solid game, 250-2 and two the last time they faced. Uh, Corey Davis did a lot of his damage. Five for 113 and AJ Brown four for 62. And when I'm looking at who actually beats the Titan, um, the Ravens, for example, on that side of the football, it's outside wide receivers. So that does help Corey Davis and AJ Brown. I think there's going to have to be enough volume in this game based on the metrics that these guys are going to be okay. Um, I think that's really it, though. I'm not going to touch the tight ends and I'm not going to get cute with anybody else. So I think for me, I think the only guys that I think. <sighs> I don't think any of these guys on the Titans side are a slam dunk from a DFS perspective, but I think Corey Davis, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry are all in play. Ryan Tannehill to me is not worth um, his price point versus Lamar Jackson. You can literally, it's only about $1,100 on FanDuel, but from the perspective of percentages, it's only 2% difference. So for 2% of your budget, you can buy up to Lamar. I'm probably going to go Lamar. So I think the only, I think, I think Derrick Henry, yes, he's in play, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis as well, but I don't think any of them are my top options for the slate. It's going to be an excellent NFL game, though. Again, I know we're a fantasy program, uh, but I am really looking forward to a couple games specifically on the slate. The Colts and Bills game I think is going to be great. I think the Rams and Seahawks, if the Rams show up, is going to be great. I also think this game is going to be fantastic as well. Let's get into the Bears and the Saints. Seven seed Bears, eight and eight, back into the playoffs with a loss to the Packers, but the Rams beat the Cardinals. Therefore, the Bears make the playoffs. So Bears fans, uh, your Cardinals fans, at least for uh, last week, uh, they're at New Orleans, number two seed, 12 and four. Um, bears should be good to go. Allen Robinson hasn't been practicing for the first couple of days of each week for the last few weeks. Um, so I wouldn't be concerned. He's hasn't been practicing is what I'm saying. I wouldn't be concerned about his availability. Um, D David Montgomery, obviously on fire. Mitch Trubisky has been good enough and fun for fantasy. I think Darnell Mooney is sneaky as well. Um, so far a career high, of course, being a rookie, but career high 13 targets last week for 11 catches. Now, for the Saints, the biggest question is going to be, well, there's two, I guess, but simultaneous. We get Michael Thomas back, but what version of Michael Thomas are we actually going to get? Because this season when he has played, he's been very disappointing for Michael Thomas standards. The other question is going to be Alvin Kamara, who uh, you know, could potentially be out all week with the COVID situation, but then be activated. We're going to hear about that last minute, so be careful there. My question mainly in this game is on the Saints side of the ball. If Alvin Kamara plays – are you still comfortable with Latavius Murray for DFS? If he doesn't, he's not uh, Latavius Murray's automatic, but if he plays, maybe he's on a pitch count because he missed all week. How do we feel about the bears and the saints? 
Yeah. Um, well, the Bears are heavy road underdogs in this one. So I, I, I just, from that perspective, they're going to want to accept the Saints are probably going to want to establish the run. But I'm looking at this team from a dropbacks perspective. It kind of fits that narrative, though. Chicago's 10th in, on the slate in dropbacks per game on defense and 10th in expectation. Even though they are technically a slight pass funnel defense from where their strength is. Um, but at the same time, I think that's going to play into the hand of Drew Brees. He's probably going to be able to do what he wants. But this is actually a rematch from earlier in this year. And that game was fantasy glory, too. I mean, there was a bunch of production in that game anyway. But uh, from the New Orleans Saints on the defensive side, they're third in the NFL, uh, third in the slate in dropbacks. So I expect they're going to have to, the Chicago Bears are going to get the opportunity to throw a lot in this game. Plus, they're on the road indoors. So, I really like this game overall because of the fact that they're playing in New Orleans. And with Michael Thomas back, that's going to rise the tide and kind of boost the volume for everybody. But I think the question mark, of course, is Alvin Kamara. But also, you know, DJ Swearinger, their safety for the Saints is out. He looks like he's going to be doubtful. Roquan Smith, stud linebacker for the Bears. Uh, and Darnell Mooney has actually been DMP back-to-back days. And he's looking questionable for this game. So that's just something to monitor for me because – the last time these two teams faced, there was a bunch of fantasy relevant guys. I mean, David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Darnell Mooney all put up double-digit fantasy points uh, in half-point PPR. So there is plenty of production here on the Chicago side to find some value. So when I'm looking at the Bears and who actually beats the Saints, you know, I, this is an average. The Saints' run defense is a little bit overrated over the last few weeks. Um, they have been a little bit more susceptible to the run. David Montgomery did okay the last time they faced 21 carries, 89 yards. And he does get enough production in the pass game to get you to that double-digit mark like he did last time. So I think David Montgomery has an average matchup, but the problem is his price point on DFS has skyrocketed. Right now, today, his, he's 8400 on FanDuel and 6900 on on DK. And I think that kind of makes him almost not worth the price. So I think that's even though it's an average matchup for David Montgomery, his price point might take him out of consideration. Uh, that's where I think the value comes from. The Bears is going to be in the receiving core. I love Allen Robinson. He plays about 40 percent of his slot uh, snaps in the slot, which is very key against playing New Orleans because they're a ridiculous slot funnel defense because they have those two really good outside corners. Even though Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins played last time. You know, Allen Robinson at six for 87 and one in that game. So I think because of the pass volume, Allen Robinson is actually in play in this one. I think he's a solid play uh, for the slate. Now, I would really monitor the Mooney situation because if Mooney's out, I think Anthony Miller, to me, becomes a solid play. Because especially because of the fact that last time these two teams faced, he had eight for 73. And he's so cheap. I mean, uh, his – I actually didn't even put him down. That's crazy. I have to find his numbers. Um that's that's how cheap he is. I actually didn't put him down. So he's actually, let's see. Sorry, just give me one second. 4,700 on on FanDuel. So that's 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 actually some value. So if you're looking for, monitor the Mooney situation if he's out. I think there's enough production in the slot that you could actually use Anthony Miller, especially because the Bears are going to have to throw in this game. Now the tight end, it's an average matchup for the tight end, but the last time they, these two teams faced, Graham didn't do anything. Cole Komet didn't do anything. And Komet has kind of established himself as the guy. Now, he is actually a decent price point, only 5,300 on FanDuel. And the matchup is okay. But uh, personally, I think the problem is it's been kind of a seesaw match with Jimmy Graham. Graham comes in, he scores two touchdowns just a couple of weeks ago, and Komet doesn't do anything. So I think you're playing with a little bit of fire in that one. So I think in that game, I kind of favor Allen Robinson, maybe monitor that wide receiver too. I think Anthony Miller's definitely play if Mooney's out. If Mooney's in, I think it's a much bigger question mark because I think those two will split work. And I think Montgomery might be too expensive for the average matchup. On the other side, I think it really rides and dies with Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara, to me, is, is obviously the smash play. He'll be fantastic. You know, who beats the Bears? Even though they're pretty solid against run games, it's just Alvin Kamara does so much. But at the same time, if Alvin Kamara is out, I think Latavius Murray is a lock. You have to play him. Not only because he's dirt cheap, but he's going to become a full-time workhorse. He's 5,400 on Fandle, 4,500 on DK. That's insane value. That's under 10% of your budget to a solid RB1 playing at home as heavy favorites. So if Kamara doesn't get cleared, change your lineup and get Latavius Murray in there. I think he's a lock to play, uh, put him in. The other lock of this game is Michael Thomas. 
Um, the Chicago Bears have been very susceptible to receivers all around over the last couple of weeks, but especially uh, outside receivers. Uh, but I think when I'm looking at this game, there, there isn't a notable corner that the Chicago Bears have that can slow down Michael Thomas. So I'm all in on Mike Thomas. I'm all in on whoever the starting running back is. And I think Jared Cook is an okay match. I think the Bears are very, very vulnerable to tight ends this season. They are one of the worst, uh, best matchups for, for tight ends. And Jared Cook, is when, when Drew Brees plays, is very, very good. And, and last time these two teams faced, he's, he had five for 51 and one. So I think Jared Cook is in play. Plus, he's very affordable on both sides. So just keep that in mind, too. If, you need, if you're looking for a tight end play, I think Jared Cook is also in play in this matchup. And with Michael Thomas back, I don't think I'm going to look at Emmanuel Sanders. Um, his value actually has skyrocketed over the last couple of weeks because he's been producing without Michael Thomas. So you're paying the premium price, but not getting the premium uh, production because of the fact Michael Thomas is back. Love it. Another deep name I want to bring up if Alvin Kamara misses is Ty Montgomery. Uh, we hadn't heard about him in a couple of seasons, really. Um, but he stepped in for Alvin Kamara last week and had an excellent game. So if Latavius Murray is the workhorse, I agree, must be in your lineup. But also throw a, a deep stab if, if you're playing in an extra flex or whatever. You just, you know, I mean, Ty Montgomery is going to have um, no price tag there. So you can get kind of maybe a free square there who should play the pass catching role and did well mm. last week. Okay, man, let's jump into the final matchup here. We have the Browns and the Steelers, another divisional matchup. These teams literally played last weekend, so we're just going to do it all over again. Big difference. Obviously, Big Ben did not play last week. They rested him. The Steelers were guaranteed a playoff spot. The Browns had to win to get in. The Browns did beat the Steelers last week. However, after jumping out to a big lead early, Mason Rudolph and company actually stormed back, and the Steelers really did have a chance to win this game at the end. Baker and the boys pulled it off, but it was not – uh, very convincing for Browns fans. But anyway, they play six seed Browns, 11 and five, the three seed Steelers, 12 and four, third team, third time they're playing this season. This one in Pittsburgh, of course, big storyline here, Bobby, and I'll let you take it away. Kevin Stefanski uh, test positive for COVID-19 earlier this week. He is out for Sunday's game. That is the head coach for the football team. So the special teams coordinator, Mike Pryfer, will act as the head coach for Sunday's game against the Steelers and the offensive coordinator, Mac Van Pelt is going to be expected to uh, call the plays. So Kevin Stefanski is not only the head coach, but he's also the play caller. He is out. They have been doing remote practices and calling sessions all week, but he will not be with the team on Sunday. Obviously that's a huge deal. Uh, we saw the lions who, clearly are way out of it, but they missed a couple coaches due to COVID and Brady absolutely destroyed them because they threw their plans out the window and were kind of winging it. I assume the Browns are more prepared. However, this is not a good look going up against a team that's hungry to beat their divisional rivals after getting a loss last week. Let's wrap it up here with the Browns at the Steelers. And yeah, that was a great point, but it's also a lot more than just the head coach. I mean, they're missing a bunch of guys, Denzel Ward, uh, Kevin Johnson, their two corners. Donovan Peoples-Jones, their wide receiver, has a concussion. Cardell Hodge, their number three receiver, is COVID. Joel Bentini, uh, Bentonio, their top interior offensive lineman, is on COVID. Then they have a bunch of other guys on defense. And then Harrison Bryant, their other tight end, is on COVID. So they just have so many guys. And then Oliver Vernon, the guy, one of their best pass rushers, just tore his Achilles uh, just a couple of days ago, or his ACL, one of those two things, and he's out. So – it's not looking good for the Browns. They have so many injuries and so many key guys that are going to potentially be out for this game. So factoring that in and also looking at the dropback data, uh, Cleveland is ninth in, in dropbacks per game on defense and then third in expectation. So I think that feeds into the uh, Steelers. They're third in expectation. So I think the Steelers are going to throw a lot. The two times they faced this year, though, keep in mind, is that one game was a blowout earlier in this year. And Big Ben only threw the ball 22 times in that game. James Conner had 20 carries, 100 yards, but they scored three rushing touchdowns. Big Ben didn't have to do anything. They routed them. And then, of course, in week 17, Big Ben doesn't play. So we don't even know really what's this going to look like this week. But based on the injuries, based on the data I'm seeing, I think Big Ben's going to have a big day. He's going to be able to throw a lot in this game. Uh, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, is one of those three teams I talked about a little bit earlier that is a, a drain on pass volume. So Pittsburgh is 11th in dropbacks per game on defense and 11th in expectation. So I don't expect Baker to throw a lot in this game. They're going to try to establish themselves on the ground with Hunt and Chubb, but that really hasn't worked uh, over the last couple of weeks. 
Chubb did get his a little bit last week, but the the Steelers overall are a little bit more susceptible to the ground. So, uh, you know, with all the injuries, especially to some of their key guys, especially on the offense, I think they're going to have to lean on Chubb. Granted, I don't think Chubb is one of my top three or four guys on the slate, but at the same time, he's definitely in play. He's going to get the volume, and I don't expect it, it to change much. Even though Alex Van Pelt is a little bit of a different type of play caller, he comes from the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. They were like much pass heavier under Mike McCarthy than you would see with Kevin Stefanski. I just don't think they're going to deviate. I think they're going to stick with it. So Chubb is still going to be in play. I do think from a volume perspective, though, when you're looking at who beats the the Steelers, it is outside receivers. And we did touch on this last week is that Jarvis Landry is still going to be the top guy. Um, even though he's, he plays about 50, 50 inside and out, he still leads the team in, in, in targets on the outside. And with Joe Hayden also on COVID and he's their top corner for the Steelers. I think, uh, you know, Landry's in play, especially with Harrison Bryant out and, you know, the other receivers like Hodge and Donovan people Jones potentially being out for this game. I think Landry's actually a sneaky play for DFS purposes this week, because he's extremely affordable. He's about 6,600. He's in the middle of the pack for receivers. I think he's, he's definitely in play in this matchup, but also Austin Hooper. So it's just kind of a, it's one of those things where Hooper is not going to be flashy. He's going to get you about five for 50, but in the tight end landscape, that might be good enough. And, and his price point is kind of leveled off. He's only about 5,400 on, on FanDuel, 3,900 on DK. And he's actually a great value on DK. So we'll probably talk a little bit more about Austin Hooper tomorrow, but he has produced decent numbers the last two times these two teams have, have faced. So I think he's in play because of some of the injuries to the Browns. On the Steelers side, I think one of my favorite plays of the week is probably going to be Deontay Johnson. So with Denzel Ward, Kevin Johnson all out uh, for this game, potentially, I think Deontay Johnson is going to feast. And, you know, when you look at who beats the Browns, it is all types of wide receivers. It's pretty much receivers across the board. So I think, I think Deontay Johnson's a lot for me, probably going to have him in most of my DFS lineups. I love him in this game, especially because big Ben peppers in with targets um, outside of that. It's also Eric Ebron. So the Eric Ebron's coming off the COVID list. Even Vance, uh, Vance McDonald last week had five receptions with Mason Rudolph. I mean, they can't cover anybody. They're going to be down two linebackers in this game potentially, and plus their safety, Ronnie Harrison. So the guys that are supposed to be covered to Eric Ebron are not going to be in the game. So I like Eric Ebron a lot as well. Now, the other guys like Juju and Chase Claypool, probably not going to have a lot of them in my DFS lineups because of the fact there's just so many limited options. And they're both priced pretty decent. I mean, Juju's still priced right. He's only $500 cheaper than Deontay Johnson, but he's only 1% difference of your budget. So I'm not going to pick Juju for 1% over Deontay. So I think I lean Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron in this game. I think James, uh, James Connor too could be a factor, but he is actually pretty pricey. Uh, he's about 10% of your budget on both sides. So I think James Conner to me, I'm not going to rush to start him, but he did have 20 carries for 100 yards and a score the last time they played with Big Ben in that game earlier this year. So I think from my perspective, it's probably going to be Deontay Johnson and Eric Ebron are my two guys that I really like. Then maybe uh, James Conner as a running back option if you want to buy down a little bit. Big Ben to me, like I said earlier, it's Josh Allen and it's Lamar Jackson. I'm probably not going to have a lot of Big Ben. So that's my thoughts on the Steelers and Cleveland Browns. It's a... really unfortunate that uh, we're hitting the playoffs and obviously COVID has affected the world and uh, there's much bigger issues clearly than football. However, uh, talking football specifically, it's disappointing that um, it's not only ravaged the regular season, but it's now coming into the postseason. And frankly, unfortunately, not to jinx it, but uh, I think the Browns are probably the first of many throughout the playoffs who are going to have this issue. And um mm. You know, it's just like we're going to see it this week. We're going to see it next week. We're going to – I mean, there is a significant chance that two or three significant players miss the Super Bowl, not due to injury, but because of COVID concerns. And, um, unfortunately, it's just a unfortunate and a already tough season. All right, Bobby, we need to wrap up the episode here. But first, of course, we're going to get our six uh, pickums, And we went through the regular season – and held it down very, very close. You and Lucas up at the top the entire season there. So well done. And, um, uh, you know, we are going to kind of carry on into the fantasy 
um, side of things with the DFS lineups. Again, we're going to do that tomorrow. But for the pickums, we're also going to dive into uh, a playoff version of it. So let's get through these six games here, man. You know the drill, and uh, I will give you two teams. You will give me the winner, and we will get from there. Let's go with uh, Saturday slate again. Seven seed Colts, two seed Bills. Bills. Six seed Rams, three seed Seahawks. Seahawks. We'll go with the five seed Bucks, four seed football team. <laughs> Bucks. All right, we'll move on to Sunday here. Five seed Ravens, four seed Titans. Titans. I love it. You know, a little bit of mix up here. We think King Henry can do it again. I like it. Seven seed Bears, two seed Saints. Saints. And six seed Browns with half their team and no coaches or the uh, three seed Steelers. Steelers. All right. The only difference I have, um, I've been considering the Rams over the Seahawks. There's always an upset every single wild card week. I think it might could be the Rams over the Seahawks. But again, if Goff doesn't play, I'm not sure Wolford can handle the Seahawks defense there. Um, and I was going to go Cleveland until they had all the COVID situations. So mm-hmm. pretty much Pat there with you. Otherwise, I do think the Titans and Ravens are absolutely a toss up. And um, I just I just think the Ravens are playing great ball currently. Their defense is finally healthy, and it's that revenge from last week. All right, Bobby, always a pleasure, man. Let's get out of here with all of your connections, and we'll catch you tomorrow on a DFS pod. Where can we find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, at FantasyFootballXFactor, and on Twitter, at FFXFactor. I also write for football.rasball.com, and I also write for expandtheboxscore.com as well. Very stat and analytic base. Y'all know the drill. If you've been with us all season long, we appreciate you. We're going through the NFL playoffs all the way through the Super Bowl. We're going to regroup after the Super Bowl, get into the offseason, the NFL draft, uh, free agency, coaching moves. We will get you through it, of course. Episode 341 in the books. We'll be back with you tomorrow with the DFS episode for my man, Bobby Lamarco. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.